You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Good morning, Bracken. Good morning, Kirk. Man, we've been getting a lot of each other lately. We get two episodes a week on the running public. We do a race brain episode. Between those three recordings every week, we sit and chat with each other for five to six hours a week. We look each other in the eyes and talk every week without fail. And then you add in on top of that almost a four-hour broadcast for the Spartan North American champs. Yeah. And, and we got 10 hours of just staring into each other's eyes this, this last week. And here I am excited to do training. it again. It really is. I'm doing more Bracken <laughs> than cardio right now. Wow. The phrasing was weird there, but you get what I mean. That really makes you think. <laughs> it really does. That actually isn't true, but this last week with the North American championship race, I did more Bracken than cardio. Okay, so as someone who sees my face six hours a week, I am someone who my fitness and my weight fluctuations show up in my cheeks. Mm. More than anything, I'm one of those people who go straight to my face. Mm-hmm. Where am I sitting right now? Don't do that to me. I know better than this. <laughs> I know better than this. And uh, I actually haven't really noticed a lot of change. See, you're facing a window, so you get a little bit of that washed out effect, just like I have, right? We have windows behind our computers. So we get a little mm-hmm. washed, um, but you're heavier than you've been. <laughs> okay. What I appreciate about you is that you don't sugarcoat it. I'm actually the exact same weight as I was coming out of surgery. Yeah. It's starting to redistribute a little bit, but the weight has not changed once one ounce. When you were before Tennessee Mile... Mm-hmm. When you lean out, your cheekbones stick out like you can notice a little bit more like cheekbone jawline and it'll sit on you just mm-hmm. a little lower like you're where you carry, you know, if you're and it yeah. might only be a half a percent body fat. I'm actually the exact same way. Um, but no, you're what are you like one one seventy five right now? Seventy seven. Oh, my bad. And lean mean brackens, what about one seventy right now at your height if you're really hitting it? So that's and that's not bad. No. No, I wasn't like seeking for compliments or seeking a uh uh dump dump my purse out on your lap just i was curious if you'd see my face that much i didn't know if you had seen any amount of change in my fitness since picking back up training not i mean i don't really you really reach i'm reaching for straws here trying to pick out different different uh okay. facial features so either way you're handsome as ever i shaved also that okay, always yeah. changes stream streamlines you Bracken, i um i'm Two things I'm thinking right now. One is that watching the Spartan North American Championships, as miserable as those conditions looked and as cracked as those fellas looked and and ladies looked, it made me start itching to get back out there. I know I haven't been talking about Spartan much. I haven't been uh, competing uh, a ton this year. My full intention is to come back and race and commit to series and all that, and I want to. But just seeing it and feeling where my fitness is at has me feeling a little bit like I'm wasting it right now. 
And that's a weird feeling. It's a good feeling to have when you're like, hey, I'm fit and I should do more with it. However, I'm like really enjoying other parts of life. Like we have deer hunting season coming up. And for me, that's like the Super Bowl every weekend. I just love it. And so I have all this emotional energy going into other things. And it took me watching the Spartan or some North American champs to recenter myself and be like, Kirk, you're, I've worked, I think I've, I haven't missed a day of cardio in 28 days straight. I've worked out every day for 28 days, run five days a week, the last three weeks in a row, which I haven't run five days in a week in like three years. Now I've done it three weeks in a row. I'm just thinking, you know, I got to do something with this. And half of this is going to sound silly because this is a running podcast, Bracken, but half of my heart is in the woods, like doing my own thing away from people perpetually. I just want to like go and disconnect. And then half of my heart is like in this like racing situation where I like want to go race and I still want to go like pursue that. And it's a weird thing between like a passion and a hobby and a sport. I don't know what to do with it, Bracken. I want to spend all fall in the woods alone, but I also want to go race. And now I I'm in this predicament. What a predicament. I can't help you there. I know. I cannot help you. What I can say is that I'm right there with you. Hmm. There was something in that race that gave me a whole lot of hope. Okay. And what if you if you had to put yourself in my shoes? Last week I played put myself in VJ's shoes. Put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself in VJ's shoe, shoes or VJ's shoes? I put myself in VJ Jones's shoes last week, trying to determine his his thoughts on the season. I don't know if I was accurate or not, accurate or not. Accurate. But now I want you to put yourself in Bracken Crocker's shoes. Well, they're going to be a little tight. They're going to be a little tight. Your feet are about a half quarter mine. size down from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, like, could I guess how you felt watching that? Not just what I felt, but who gave me hope? Why? Who gave me the why that I felt and the what? Who gave you the That's very, very poorly worded. Um, well, it wasn't Ryan Woods. No. But we're going to get to him. Yes. Um, I'm struggling to fi- figure out who would have actually done that for you. Other than you're seeing... Somebody like a Ryland Shattig come and be a little injured and not have the perfect lead in at times. And he's he's been what I'll call hit or miss with his training since I've started following the guy. He's been either injured or, or not. And then to see him go and pop something has to be pretty encouraging. But um, I don't identify with Rylan. He was a pr- a pro level mountain biker. He's got an engine I'll never touch. But who who would I identify with out there on the course who I feel like aligns with my athletic skill set, who just had himself a a really solid performance and took care of business? Oh, Mick Chirillo. Mick Chirillo. Yeah. Hey, Mick. Mick and I, our our 5K PRs align within like a second or two of each other. Our incline, our treadmill challenge is to the 10th the exact same. Our frame is similar. Our mindset, our approach to racing is actually pretty similar. We race kind of the same. He lives in the Midwest, yeah, where it's flat. Yeah, we don't live. We live in similar areas. We we deal with some of the same strength strengths and weaknesses. I'm just stumbling all over my words this morning. Yep, I haven't noticed. But he went out there and he was the first mortal to cross the finish line. Yep. Maybe Sean Stevens Whale was the first mortal to cross the finish line. But he's been on a Canadian national mountain running team. He's run at Mountain World Championships. So he has a immortal skill set that he brings to the table. Mick is the first everyman to cross the line. Yeah. And that was really encouraging for me personally. I got a lot out of Mick doing well. Hey, 
Canadians took, I believe, four out of the top ten male spots. Five. Is it five? Oh yeah, Austinese are too. And then uh Yeah. And then you have on the women's side they the contingency showed up as well, going one two and then I don't know how it falls later on, but um home soil, it works. Yeah. Well yeah, I, I get what you're saying there about that and and you know, Mick isn't a high mileage guy either. Um, you know, he took fifth place this weekend in the North American Champs for those of you who don't follow, which was held in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. Um but he's a functional athlete, and he keeps functional, and he does uh, a lot of other things other than run. And you look at his Strava, and it's not like he's putting in 12 hours a week and climbing 10,000 feet. He's making it work with what he's got. And, yeah, I agree. There's some parallels there, Bracken. Yeah, and I, I'm not making any grand proclamation about, I'm coming back next year, and I'm going to do the same thing. It's just it's nice to see someone that you feel is like you succeed at the thing that you enjoy doing. That's all. So, Mick, congratulations. It was awesome to watch you do that. And you did a little something. You stirred a little something inside me, which is always great. Yeah. Nobody else congratulations. Just you, Mick. Just you, Mick. Yeah. You're the only one out there who really caught our eye. Well, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get that. I think it just made me want to go out there and mix it up. And I started looking at the time gaps. And in the mountains, those time gaps get big, right? Uh, they just do. And then you had bad conditions and time gaps get even bigger because of failures and things like that. But some pretty big time gaps. And I looked back at some of my past performances and my, my time back from the winter and thinking like, where would I have fallen? Even if I had my fitness of old and I start thinking like, if I wasn't knocking on the door of the top five myself, I think I would be surprised. And so it made me want to get out there and, <clears throat> and maybe test it. So we'll see what I come up with this fall, but we can do it together, Bracken. We can hold hands Go to like the, what is it, Indiago race or something? Indiago. What do they call it? I don't know, but that's, that's a good name for it. Chicago Southwest. Yeah. We'll have to talk. East. We'll have to talk off mic. East. Way far east yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. But uh, you had a, um, you had a, well, you have anything else you want to get to? Otherwise, I know you had a and a sort of thing we wanted to chat about real quick. Hmm. Well, as long as we're talking about ourselves, yeah. I have two, three streaks going in my life. Oh, uh, yeah. Talk about that. One is the Spartan podium streak. I Every year outside of 2019, the COVID year, where I did not complete a race before COVID shut down the season, every year I've made a Spartan podium since 2011, and that streak is in the balance. So that is one of my streaks. And then the other streak is a parallel streak, breaking five minutes in a mile and dunking a basketball. In the same year, same day, or what? Well, there it's it's not really dependent on each other. I just want to have them both go as long as possible. Yeah. But in theory, I'm going to lose the dunk far before I lose the, the mile. Yeah. And I dunked after I first broke. So I, it was two years after I broke in the mile, I finally dunked. Mm. Anyway, both date back to high school. So how many years running have you dunked and done a five-minute mile in a row? Concurrently, 2004 it started. So you're on year 18 if you hit it this year, 18 or 19 this year, 19 if you hit it this, this year. This would be 19. Wow. Yeah. And, and I dunked, I dunked this week. So one day this week I have to go out and just uh, slip under five in the mile and then it'll be a 19 year old. Yeah. Watching you dunk, man, you're an athlete. Way to go. You don't see many people in our sport, especially endurance athletes move like you do while not running and you, you still have it, man. It's impressive. And you're what? 30, what? Six, five, 35, five. So, Wow. Go watch that video, Bracken Duncan. White men can jump, fellas and ladies. I have a very 
specific set of wasted skills for our sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, have a, I have a lot of athletic skills that don't translate whatsoever to the course. What other than dunking can you think of? I just like overall agility or explosion or hand-eye coordination. Never good enough to do anything. I was like a D3 level everything. Mm. Probably could have played D3 basketball. Probably could have played D3 baseball. Was a D3 runner. Uh, you know, I wasn't a D1 athlete in any sense of the word, other than maybe like reaction time or lateral agility. My point is, I don't have a single like calling card set of athleticism, but most of them aren't used at all in endurance running. <laughs> so I just have this moderate across the board set and all I use is running because there's no, there's no real use for being moderately athletic at, as a 35 year old in life. Well, I'm actually very athletic as well. I move laterally super well um, mm -hmm. and was recruited to play soccer in, in, in college and, and still believe that would have been a good route for me. And I still have that. But what I don't have is I have never touched the rim ever. I haven't touched the rim. Granted, I haven't mm. tried very often to do so or taken it seriously. But if you have that sort of ups, you would, I would have done it casually at some point when I was younger and full of bravado. Just been look at me. I can touch the rim. Can't even do that bracket. Never have been able to. Do you ever have your vertical tested? No. We tested every year in college. No, we didn't. Even the distance squad. Interesting. No, we did pull-ups and test yeah. us on that. And you'd have like five of the uh, 24 on your roster just hanging there, like pathetic losers being like, you know, can't even do one pull-up, but you're a collegiate athlete. I remember, I remember that always being an embarrassing day for a few fellows that were built like noodles. I think pull-ups for the everyday person are muscle-ups to the athlete. Yep where they have the ability to do it. They just don't know how to chain together that sequence of events down their back yeah, right. to get their chin up over the bar. And the same way that like the first time I got my muscle up, it was just a fluke. I had had the strength for like five years and couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it just clicked one day. That's how pull-ups always look to me when I'd watch our distance team do. I'm like, I know you're strong enough to complete that. Mm -hmm. You just don't know how to actually engage your lats and everything and just pull yourself up. Yeah. Well, anyways, okay, so... You dunked a basketball. You believe you can run under five minutes right now? Oh, for sure. I, it's not going to be like super far under, but when I came back off knee surgery, that like week later, when I first started running, there was that, that road race and I ran like 446 or something and I'm in better fitness than that. Oh, okay. So you're going to go time trial. No, I'm just going to go run 459 and call it like dirt just to kick off a workout, call it complete and then move on with my workout do you know how smug that sounds to 95 percent of our listeners i'm just gonna go run i'm just gonna go run for 459 and then continue on my workout <laughs> let like, me start over when you talk about <laughs> like the everyman over. like mick <laughs> taking top five and you're relating yourself to the everyman 99 percent of our listeners will never run five minutes in the mile correct i just think it's yeah. funny how smug it doesn't sound smug to me it's just funny to touch to just our previous conversation let's put things in perspective yeah. <laughs> I ran about 413, 414 in the mile in college and think I had about a 409, 410 in me. So running 459 is almost 50 seconds slower than what my peak would be. Mm. So like everything's relative. Also, I might only be able to run 448, 
but the difference between time trialing 448 right now and 458 is astronomical in how horrific mm. it will feel and how bad I'll feel afterwards. So when I say I'm just going to go slip under, it's not I'm just going to yawn my way to the line. It's I'm going to do the bare minimum possible to get it done and not be vomiting as a 35-year-old on the side of the middle school track. Okay. Uh, and still have a, and still have some sort of quality workout following that. I understand. Yeah, and it's going like 459 will cost me something. I feel like I, it cost me something but i mean my 5k pr is right around that mm-hmm. 502 maybe so I, in theory it shouldn't be bad you should video that too do it for us if you think of it okay i would appreciate which it. which then leaves one thing left to do this year and, and that's unfortunately for the third year in a row i'm stuck in a situation where i've got to go try to steal a podium or snag one at the end of the year rather than just be the man all year show up to races compete mix it up now i'm gonna be trying to snipe one and fall well tell you what i um i have podiumed every year since 2017 even the covid year because i snuck in the race early so i have to be one oh, of that's right. i have to be one of the few going on well it's 17 18 19 20 21 i guess it's only five years straight but that covid year threw a wrench in a lot of people's podiums um so i haven't yet either because i had uh two tough races in jacksonville and San Luis Obispo. So I've not podiumed this oh, year. So right. I should probably try to keep that alive. Jack Bauer could probably have some sort of stats on that if you don't take out the COVID year. He released it after the COVID year. And I know, I think Peter Ziska overseas got a January podium, mm-hmm. which put him to like eight years or nine years straight. He was the new leader if you don't count COVID. Mm. Okay. Or if you count COVID yeah. as a legit, because I think we races were canceled Feb March. March. We got through Jacksonville and over here. So anybody who podiumed in the National Series race, basically. There were two races available to us, I believe. It was Arizona, which I happened to go because of sponsorship obligation at the time with Gone Rogue and then Jacksonville, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's it's debatable. You can count that since races did take place. But for my sake, I don't count it because I didn't. There might have been a SoCal too, actually. Okay. So if you don't count COVID, I think I have the longest stretch. Got to get it done. By one year over probably Isaiah. Got to get it done. If you do count COVID, I'm already out. We don't count it. All right. So anyway, for this, for the sake of whatever shred of a legacy I have left, I need to go <laughs> snag one this fall. All right. We'll, be, we'll talk about that off mic and we'll come up with some plans. Should we get to our question you wanted to, to answer before we jump into our topic? Yeah. yeah, we had a question about the running public training plan from someone on the plan. And since we have every single person who's on the plan as a listener of the podcast, I believe. I think. If not, it's 99% of them are. Figured I'd just, we would just help them all at once. All right, here's the question. I use the running public training plan, but the same question could be had for any training plan that is not individualized coaching. I do strength and CrossFit Metcon work three times a week knowing it may detract from quality work, but I enjoy it and do my best to fit into my overall plan. There are days either someone is jumping in a compromised running workout with me, or I may be smashed from my gym work, so I may tweak the prescribed running public workout. Sometimes I modify duration, like today I went long because I didn't go for max vert, because I didn't want to run outside near my house. Oh, because I wanted to run outside near my house, and I didn't want to cross over an overpass back and forth for several hours. Other days, I keep the specificity and slightly alter the duration. Example, I did KDE as six rounds of 15 cal echo bike plus five heavy front squats plus 120 
plus oh i think that's roughly a minute 20 long plus an 800 meter run in 330 whereas kde is two minutes of work and then five minutes of running mm-hmm. so he changed it to 120 minutes of different work plus 330 of running yep long-winded way of asking should i keep durations and modify my specificity keep my specificity and modify durations or is it okay to just take a peach piece of each knowing for optimal results you would just do both we should probably clarify all that <laughs> into like one sentence yeah well i'm sure you have thoughts on it since um you wanted to bring it up today but um the the two glaringly obvious questions you need to ask is what events are you training for right i think that's yeah um well actually just really that's probably the main glaringly obvious question is what are you actually training for then the second thing you have to consider is um i do believe that not everybody on the training plan is following every single day i used to be on training plans in which i would sort of pick and choose for better or worse and not that i think you should pick and choose if you're following the plan i think if you're going to do something full asset not half asset but I think we do have a lot of subscribers that are just picking, oh, that sounds fun. I have, I'll do that one today and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So there could be a case for that as well. But um, I, it's impossible to answer with certainty not knowing what this person is training for. So pre uh, this conversation with that. However, you can make an argument for both duration or specific uh, specificity, depending again on what what events are coming up. So I'm curious to hear if you have like a blanket statement answer yeah i do you do okay well first though i just want to distill his question down to one sentence so that everyone's on the same page here if you are following a template based plan which is a plan that is not scripted individually for you day by day is it okay to a modify the workouts or skip workouts or swap them and b how is it best to do so so i guess my initial answer is yeah it's totally okay to change things Mm -hmm. uh my blanket statement is the first thing you need to un- to do is understand the scope of the plan. What is the purpose of the plan? So we're talking about those compromise run workouts in KDE or our long runs where we're going flat with an optional cut down or having chasing vert or interval days where we're doing specific work. Understanding what is the purpose of it, what's the scope. Looking through it, and you can reach out to the coach and ask this, or just identify it yourself, read through and say, okay, I understand that on our quality days, we're alternating flat and uphill, and we're starting with three-minute intervals, and we're progressing up to six-minute intervals. So our goal here is to identify a pace that is doable but challenging, and then extend our time at duration. Understanding that flow of the workouts really puts in perspective, am I supposed to keep the intensity or the duration or both? Same thing with weekend long runs. If we're doing long work, Is it more important to get the vert that they specify here or the duration? So looking at the how the workouts progress from week one to week eight, I think distills most of that down to like its core basics there. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if I run uphill here. What they want to do is we need to get time on our feet going and long work. And they added in hill work for people who are training for hill races, but I don't have a hill race coming up. So I'm going to do it in more of a compromise matter or however I'm going to do it. Understanding that scope, I think, is step one. Yeah, I, I just, I, this is something I want to dissect so much further. I'm not going to allow myself to do that today, but mm-hmm. right away I want to ask why, like, why are you, why are you modif- Why did you choose not to do the run work? Why did you choose to do the assault bike or echo bike and then run portion of it? Um, are we avoiding our skill sets that we're weakest at, for example? Well, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the assault bike more and I, I don't have the attention span, so I need to break it up even more. Um, 
it's just like I have more questions than answers to this is what, what happens. Right. I just have so many questions where I'd want to direct this athlete. But for the sake of stimulus, if we just want to talk about stimulus, this gentleman is getting in the correct stimulus by spending X amount of time where we ask and then transitioning into spending X amount of time where we ask again. So typically, metabolically, you're actually getting um, probably precisely what we're asking as far as stimulus goes. And I've spent half a career building on the foundation of cross-training and filtering run in there. Uh, overall low run volume, but probably high overall aerobic volume. So um, if you're modifying like that, you're still getting the same heart rate response and general metabolic stimulus, then sure. Like if it keeps you looking forward to the next day and keeps your interest and keeps you on a schedule, heck yeah, man, keep modifying away if that's what keeps the ball rolling for you. It's just I have so many questions. That's all. I'm going to take a stab at the information he gave us. Went for his two-hour long run, but did it flat instead of chasing vert because he didn't want to go after hills. If you don't have a hilly race on your calendar, then that is the exact perfect thing. You just go get the time on feet because that's the purpose of the run, is to get your long run in with a bit of race specificity, which is, let's go try to gain a bunch of vert today. So that's a correct modification. The other one is, instead of doing KDE, which is two-minute tire or sled drag into a five-minute moderate run with two-minute rest... He did a minute and a half of work into 3.30 of run into the two-minute rest. Mm -hmm. That's actually one I would have modified differently. Mm. I think he said he might have had a buddy along for that. They were dropping in and doing work together. And the buddy might not have wanted to grab a rope behind his back and just power hike ahead, dragging something heavy behind him for two minutes, which is our approximation of power hiking uphill. And then going to a five-minute run. So they did assault bike and kettlebell swings, I believe. I would keep that to two minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I would still keep the five minute run, change up the modality of what you're doing, but I would still keep that two, five, two portion in there, two minutes of work, five minutes of run, two minutes of rest, because we intentionally put those times in there. Two minutes of work is long enough that you can't overload the weight on any one thing because you're going to blow up in the first 20 to 30 seconds. Two minutes, you've got to grind it out, but it can't be so light that you can just sprint with it. So it makes you use a moderately heavy weight and it gets you sufficiently tired for a five minute run. But a five minute run is long enough that you survive the first minute or two of feeling really heavy coming off of the two minutes of work. And then your body relaxes and recovers into the run and you get good practice recovering in a compromised matter, and then getting good at running once you're tired. Mm -hmm. And then two minutes rest is not super long for a seven-minute rep. So shortening the rep, keeping the two-minute rest, changes the dynamic of the work-to-rest ratio, and not having the full five-minute run kind of removes a big chunk of that endurance. I would say that during a five-minute rep, most of your benefit comes from the last 90 seconds anyway. Oh, absolutely. So moving it down to 330, you either miss out on that final piece of the puzzle or you're going to end up running that harder to make up for it. And that's not really the purpose of the workout. So that would be one of those like a deep dive into how I would think about modifying that workout. I would do 60 seconds assault bike, 60 second kettlebell swing, and then still hit my 500, mm -hmm. my five minute run. Even if you have an 800 meter loop and it's taking you 3:30, I would do that loop and then run out another 45 seconds and back another 45 to get the full five minutes of work in. So if you were, um, did your phone on vibrate? In the world. You professional over there. Can't have you having this. That's unacceptable. Uh, so really then just answer his question, duration or specificity? What's more important? Got to look at the purpose of the workout. That's what he asked. Yeah. I think both. 
I think whenever possible, you try to keep the duration the same and keep the specificity or keep the intensity the same. And specificity goes out the window and is replaced by what specificity you want. Mm -hmm. So OCR 400s, for example, we have people on there who are not OCR athletes, but we're working at a nine out of 10 effort on that day. And we're getting in a total of three miles of 400 meter reps. That's the one where if I was not being an OCR athlete at all on that day, I just wanted to run. I would keep all 12 400 meter reps. I would keep the rep set up the same three by four by 400, mm-hmm. take my three minute reps in between each set. And then I would hit the 400s hard and take short rest instead of doing walking lunges. I would say, how much time would I have for walking lunges or burpees? And I would take that amount of rest in between my 400s. So I would try to keep actually the volume and the intensity the same. I would only switch up the sports-specific specificity. Yep. Can you say specific specificity back-to-back? Yep. Yes. It seems It seems wrong, but it's our podcast. It is. Don't tell us what to do over here. English. No. <laughs> it's general language. So, yeah, that's my take. I want to hear your take. Well, my take is very simple, and I agree with what you said there, but I'm going to give this gentleman an answer and say duration, which means – if you need to change things uh, based on your workout ADD, your availability of a partner or equipment or um, whatever, I think uh, thinking back to our coaches series, when we asked all the coaches like intensity or duration, if you had to pick one to be a successful athlete, would you say not a lot of mileage, but short intense work is allowed or a lot of mileage, but no short intense work. And every single coach, actually one coach didn't answer that way. Most said mm-hmm. the volume, they pick the volume over anything. And I think it's about spending enough time in the appropriate zones is still the foundation. And so I say aiming to get in the volume, even if that means workout um, specificity is changing along the way, I would, I would, I think I draw a hard line there, to be honest with you. Again, this is contingent upon what this athlete is doing. If they're training for a deck a mile, it might change, but um, as a blanket statement, uh, vol- uh, duration is what I'm picking. And go play a little bit. So that's what I think. That's it. I'm satisfied with that. So hopefully we didn't muddy the waters for you. <laughs> of course we did. The idea is that this is how you personalize a non-personalized schedule. I don't have access to a sled. I'm going to assault bike and kettlebell instead. That's great, but hit the purpose of the workout. Mm-hmm. The workout's designed to hit five minutes of compromised run. That's the moving part of that workout. That's the big mover. So that's what you focus on. The goal is to get to that five-minute run in a compromised state. And so you do what you have to do to get there. I would shorten the duration. I would even do a 30 second sled push with a thousand pounds on it, but keep my five minute run there rather than shorten the run and lengthen or keep my, my work prior to that. Yeah. And something we could do is, I mean, I know sometimes we lay out, we lay out the purpose of the workouts and like the description, but we could be a little more thorough, which would help. I mean, maybe develop mm-hmm. a little more clarity for somebody who isn't planning to follow verbatim. Maybe like the purpose is to run for five full minutes while tired. So if mm-hmm. you really put the emphasis on that, then it maybe would have left a little less gray area, but um, okay. Do you want to chat anything else out with that before we hop into today's topic? No, I think the questions we receive off this will determine whether we need further clarity. Yeah. And maybe we hit it on the next Q and a again, but for now, I think that that answers the, the low level, how to think about it. Yep. 
Um, okay, let's transition then. So uh, topic we were discussing a couple of weeks back and considering doing a training Tuesday on was uh, just sort of chatting out the aging athlete. Um, it's kind of top of mind for me feeling like I have pretty good fitness at 39 years old. Uh, wondering what I'm going to do with it. You know, father time is undefeated. We all know this. And we're like, yeah, we can push it off until it feels right or when it makes sense to address the aging athlete. And then I, uh, and you, of course, saw a post by Ryan Woods. Um, He made it yesterday. We're recording on a Monday. So he made this post on a Sunday addressing his North American Championship performance. And his entire post was about the aging athlete. And he's a guy I want to get back on here to just chat out what he's going through, like physically, emotionally, you know, all that, still performing at a high level. Um, but that's how this came to be today is talking about the aging athlete. You said you were feeling like an old man a couple of weeks ago, how your body wasn't recovering. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to flirt with the fact that I need to, to do some things with my fitness given my age. Um, and then Ryan posted this. So it was like, let's chat it out. You cool with that? Yeah. Yeah. This is your, your baby. I feel this, this affects you more than it affects me currently. And mm-hmm. so you have a, a more pressing timeline than I do. Mm. It's fair. So should I start out by reading the post just to give credit where credit is due? Yeah. And after this, I'm going to call Ryan. Yeah. I'm going to call him and just explain what we're doing. And I, it's, I'm past due checking in with him anyway. And so I may cut this part out if he doesn't want it glamorized or just even he posted about it. I'm sure he's fine with it. Oh yeah. Either way, we have the intro in there. People know what we're talking about. If I end up cutting this out. Well, yeah. And we, uh, have tried to align with Woodsy a couple times for podcast recording and we're just too set in our ways with our recording time. So we haven't been able to make it happen, but maybe, maybe we'll be a little more flexible and we'll get him on. Cause he's always a great conversation and very amusing to talk to with great insight. So anyways, Ryan Woods on Instagram and Facebook says, I just don't have it anymore. And by the way, Ryan Woods is a very lighthearted in nature kind of guy on social media and in person. That's really how he is. He's great company. And so this was a more serious post, and I think it's just a little more heartfelt than normal. So um, this wouldn't be a typical post of his, but it says, I just don't have it anymore. It might be that age has finally caught me. It might be that I'm more inconsistent with the quality running and strength training. It might be a couple of extra pounds I haven't lost. It might be might be the extra focus on my chiropractic office. It might be a little of all of those combined, but after years of being a great uphill mountain runner, I've spent the entire year watching dozens of different guys run away from me at the big at my biggest strength. I spent my Spartan North American Championship race scratching and crawling from 20th place to my eventual finish at 6th. But that's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I was over a minute a mile off the top guys. It's disheartening, but it, it'll happen to us all eventually. That said, I gave 110% Saturday, and sixth place was the absolute best my old body was capable of. It's very bittersweet. The end. I'm going to start with a confession, if you don't mind. I don't mind. And and for reference, before you, Brian Woods is 43, I believe. Is that how old Ryan is these days? 42 or 43. Yeah. 42 or 43? Uh, okay, now go with your confession. When I started to fade out of the top of the sport. And I shouldn't say the top. For a while, I think I was ranked three to five globally before the sport got big. And then each year, more studs came into the sport and they'd start pushing me down. One of the things that kept me going mentally for a while is knowing that most of them are older than me. Mm -hmm. And looking forward to the time when Cody, Hobie, Novakovic, 
Ryan Woods start to lose their youthful legs. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. We had world championships won at 39 and 40 years old. And Ryan Woods was was pushing up winning big races at 40. And and, and I was just thinking, they're going to age out at some point. They just hold mm-hmm. on until they age out. I was looking forward to, with excitement, them aging out of the sport. And now that it's here... I take zero pleasure in this and I have a guilty feeling over having like hoped for it. Like maybe this will be the year. Hopefully they just feel old. They get Mm -hmm. an athlete drops off a cliff. It seems like at least it feels that way when you're working at the top 1% of people Mm -hmm. on the planet, when they become 2%, that looks like a cliff. And I was just waiting. Like, is this cliff coming? Come on, Woodsy, get old. And when Woods got to the point where he went from 1% to 2% and maybe it's only one to one and a half percent, I felt like an absolute jerk because by this point, we like everyone. We are invested in their careers. We spent too much time together. And I feel bad for even hope. And every young athlete feels this. Those guys, I'm sure, that are in the sport now are hoping, let's get some of this. Some of the guys that, let's. when is Atkins going to start to slow down? He's in his 30s now. Mm-hmm. Let's get him to the end of his career. From someone who's been through that now, I'd say just enjoy what you have. Don't wait for these guys to get out. Enjoy how good they are now because if I like if I had a, a genie pop up right now, I would give everyone 10 more years in their legs. I want to see Woods doing what he's doing at his best because when he's in full flight, he is a sight to behold. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to get that off my chest that, Ryan, I, I prayed on your downfall for years <laughs> and, and no one deserves that. Everybody that listens to us already knows you're a dick. <laughs> so you didn't need to explain yourself <laughs> but thank i had you this conversation with lisa like woods can't have like probably four years ago he can't have that many more years i've just got to hang on for another year or two and then that's one more guy i don't have to worry about mm-hmm. and now i wish that we all got to still have woods of that uh west virginia or san diego uh san jose just blasting people out of the water the tough thing is that younger in your career And even into your, oh, I would say early to mid 30s, you have the optimism of if you've been training at a high level this entire time, if you find sport late in life, you can improve. You can improve in your 40s, 50s, 60s. You can be the best you've ever been in your entire life. Not Ryan Woods, not me, not you, not the athlete who has been training at a high level their entire life. There's only one way to go when you crest that mountain and it is downhill. Again, this is an, that that is not the rule if you are an athlete who's found this sport later. There's a different trajectory for you, especially if you found it at like 40 or after. But nonetheless, an athlete who's been training hard their majority of their life feels encouraged and optimistic that they are able to be the best they've ever been still at some point coming up. And that keeps them hungry. It keeps them honest. It keeps them coming back knowing I could still be the best I've ever been in my life at 35, 36. And then when you have that realization where no matter what I do, I will never be as good at something as I have previously been. And that's the realization Ryan Woods is having. It's the realization every person listening to this is going to have at some point. If you've trained steadily through your life, I'm going to have this probably sooner than most. And that's a really tough thing to go through. I have to Mm -hmm. imagine. Now, I haven't gone through it yet. I feel like I'm holding on to some good fitness. But to see Ryan Woods... And this podcast isn't about Ryan Woods, but we're using an example. To see him show up and pursue a Savage Race series when he knows that he is not at his best, 
to go take his lumps for the love of sport still, to go out and run these big Spartan races against a hungry, young, encouraged crowd, to continue to rub your nose in the dirt, knowing that your best self might be behind you, takes balls the size of a building, Bracken, and takes a quiet confidence that you cannot replace, and it doesn't matter. I think he's at that point, and we're all getting there, that you're just going to have to accept, how much do I love what I do? Mm-hmm. And knowing that I will not stand on top of that top-tier podium ever again, do I still want to come back? That's where you find where your love for sport really is. And I actually want to pat the damn guy on the back. And it makes me want to do that for anybody else who's going through that. And so because of that, that's why we're chatting this out today. But I know you have something you want to piggyback with, but that just wanted to kind of get all of that out there for perspective for people. No, that's perfect. The career arc goes like this. If I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to be better next month or next year than I was this season. Mm-hmm. And you, fi- you follow that, follow that, follow that. And then you get to stage two, which is if I do X, Y, and Z right, I can remain as good as I was and I can hold off decline for a while. Now, if I do w x y and z i can be as good as i was and now if i do t u v w x y z i can hang on to as good as i ever was and then you enter the uh this the toby keith stage of your career <laughs> yep remember that old country song where he says i'm not as good as i once was but i'm as good once as i ever was i said dave and so i'm not as good as i once was but on any g- given day I can be as good as I ever was. And that was Woods. He hit that stage for a few years, which is if I do extra things in training and I take care of my mobility and I put my wine away for a little bit and I really lean up, I can pop a race as good as I ever used to be. I can't maintain it all season, but I can still hit my highs. I can still be at first at, what was it, the last year in Tahoe? He was still leading the climb to the top of the mountain. One year ago, he led Ryan Atkins for over half the race in Tahoe. So just a year ago, yep. Yeah, and so we've seen that he was at that 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 stage where I'm not trying to hold on to what I always had, but I'm trying to do everything right so that on any given day when I need it, I can do what I used to be able to do. And then finally, you've crested the hill down the side far enough that, all right, I cannot do what I used to do. And now it's about what percentage of that can I hold on to as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And the goalpost finally has to move. It has to change from here is what I can do and what I've always been able to do. And how do I stay at that level or improve upon it or stop myself from falling away from it to, all right, now I need a new goal. And Ryan Woods was really good. Should we just remind people how fast he actually was? Yes, do it. All right, post-collegiately, this man ran 343 in a 1,500-meter run. That is the metric equivalent to a four-minute mile. He also ran 1,350 in a 5K. Which is, for what pacing purposes, would be... Oh, it's right around 430, right? Yeah, let's call it 430s. Well, it'd be a little faster than that. High 420s per mile. 428, 429, back to back to back. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he is, as far as I'm concerned the best runner our sport has ever seen, at least in North America. Consistently have stepped in and stayed. Yeah, we've had faster runners come in, but they've done a race to maybe two or three and then left. He became an OCR runner. He ran on Team USA for the Mountain Running World Championships, I believe twice. He was uh, a multiple-time conference champion for NC State, which is in a power division. Mm-hmm. D1 power division. He, he's just a legitimate runner. He's a 1355K runner. I mean, that number alone 
there's no one in the sport right now in North America, I would wager, that can be within 50 seconds of that. Maybe yep. a minute, which means he is somewhere from 15 to 20 seconds per mile faster in his prime than the fastest guy in the sport right now. Yep. He is legitimately a stud, stud, stud runner. And that means that his goalposts were even more severe how they have to change than the rest of us because he was so good and lasted so long that he had to confront father time before he lost his place in the sport. He wasn't like me where in my early thirties, I no longer had a chance to win a world championship at 40. He showed up knowing, Hey, if I pop this thing the right way, I can win worlds today. Mm -hmm. So he stayed long enough to earn the right to have to adjust his, his goalposts and the goalposts had to be moved more severely than most people. Yeah. Um, and I think we're just sort of, he's just sort of realizing that potentially. And, and I have to imagine fighting it like heck to reverse that, which I still believe is possible, right? In some capacity, if every little thing he outlined very beautifully and simply, well, maybe the factors that go into it, not just age, but maybe some other things that would factor into not being quite where he wants to be. And now what happens here is... Um, when you are aging, it's sort of like death by a thousand cuts in a sense. If you are able to maintain consistent training with purpose, injury-free, and staying emotionally available to push on a regular basis, because you got to think after a while, although this is our lives and this is habit, this is how we live our lives. We train, we get up, we do this. After a while, your bucket of, well, F-words as we call it, your bucket of F words is full. Like at some point, like there's a potential, like I'm just sick of suffering all the time. Like I'm sick of putting myself through this. Like I'm at the stage of my life. And when I want to put my feet up, look out my back porch, have a glass of wine and not worry about it affecting my overall performance because I've been grinding for so long. And what happens is sometimes you get that perfect little storm where there's just like a 10% difference in your training. You get one little niggle or nagle that causes your, your training not to be as consistent, and it's a compounding effect. And what's a 1% difference? Well, 1% difference over a two-hour race is minutes, right? And minutes matter in our sport at the top. And so that's what happens. And then you take somebody in their late 30s, early 40s, and they get a stress fracture. They get tendonitis. They get something in which takes them out for a little bit of time. And you're almost asking to somebody to scale the side of a building without a ladder at this point. Like now you are drowning and to get back to that level after taking too many hits is what causes people to drop in fitness. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times you will see those outliers who can do this into their mid forties at almost the level they were doing earlier. But it's those outliers who like can keep their, keep mentally engaged. Still the suffering of those grindy workouts haven't sucked the life out of them over the years and they're staying injury free. And to do all of those things and not put more emphasis on your career and your relationships, which people tend to do as they get more sentimental and older, they start putting themselves first and they start putting others first. You see, it's a classic trend, right? And so it's a rare breed for somebody to be able to go and do that and then not see a diminishing return on their training. All while our body's oxidizing and slowly dying and <laughs> decaying from the inside out, at some point that begins as well. So mm -hmm. a little ranty there, but... You understand what I'm getting at. Like it takes the perfect storm for an athlete to maintain a high level of fitness beyond like, let's call it like your 40, your 40 yeah. year mark. 
So that's what's going on. And that's what happens to almost everybody you see, unless you see that freak outlier. When you pass somewhere between 27 and 32 for a male, I can only speak from that perspective. You start losing fast twitch. You lose your maximal power output, your maximal sprint output. You lose that explosive ability. And you lose a few percent every single year for the rest of your life. But it doesn't matter as much in running because there's so many other factors. Aerobic capacity matters so much more than your vertical leap. And so it doesn't affect endurance athletes the way it affects ball sport athletes. But the other piece that comes along with that is that everything takes longer. If it used to take you... I don't know, six weeks to sharpen before a race and get your speed back. It might take six weeks prior to that of building some, some speed work into your program to even respond to speed work. If it used to take three days to recover from a marathon, now it takes six or nine. If you used to be able to roll your ankle or tweak a hamstring and be back three days later, now it's three weeks. You're 45, now that tweaked hamstring maybe doesn't leave for a year. And that's with you taking care of it. Everything takes longer. It takes longer to get into shape. It takes longer to lose weight. It takes longer to sharpen. And it takes longer to recover from things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're biking down a path on a mountain bike, let's just say you're biking down the road and you hit a pothole. You just power right through and keep going. You hit some gravel. You don't really have much tire spin. You hit a, a piece of glass and it kind of just gets embedded in the lug. Like nothing big happens. But when you move down to like a 32 millimeter tire and then a 24, suddenly every single one of those things starts skewing your bike off course and it's harder and harder to control and keep on a line. You hit a pothole in like a 25 millimeter racing tire and you're in trouble. And that's the way your athlete life cycle is. At the beginning, when you're young, you're a fat tire bike. You can just roll over anything and you don't need recovery time. But over the years, wear and tear, plus just your body starting to die from the inside out, <laughs> your tire gets smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually you're flatting out on things you didn't even notice on the bike path prior. Mm -hmm. And then you have to stop and you've got to repair the tire. And eventually your, your spokes are getting warped and your rims bending. And you now have to deal with all these associated pieces just to, to get back on the bike that you never even had to think about when you were a fat tire bike. And that's what the aging athlete really is. Like a proud father over here listening to you with that analogy, Bracken. <laughs> I don't know on. why. Yeah, I really do. you just Ooh. pulling these out of your butthole. It's really great. Um, <laughs> you want to wash your hands. I should. <laughs> so I agree with that analogy. It's a good analogy. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that you're sort of pointing at here, um, and I think is hands down, the most important thing the aging athlete can focus on is staying healthy beyond mm -hmm. all else to keep that bike on course, to keep that thin tire, uh, inflated is to stay healthy. The death sentence of the aging athlete is injury. And when you outline, when you outline taking more recovery after a race or needing more recovery between hard training sessions, all that is absolutely true. And the problem is, is that an aging athlete attempts to do the frequency of, of quality that they used to, the combined with the duration that they used to, but their body isn't recovering at the same rate. And I've felt this the past few years, big time. I push off quality sessions a lot recently due to not recovering in time. And what happens is they train like they used to. And guess what happens? Their little tire that's thinner and thinner can't handle that type of 
terrain as you were alluding to and they pop a flat and something goes wrong because they're used to being able to handle the frequency, intensity, and duration of what they used to be doing. And they simply need more time in between sessions and more recovery in order to stay healthy. And so that's the trap that people fall into as they age. And people often think they got to do more to keep up with the younger guys. And in fact, if you've been putting money in your piggy bank all these years, you need to do less to keep up with the younger guys. It's a really hard concept to wrap your head around, and it couldn't be closer to the truth. Less is more when you're older if you're able to do less consistently without big mm-hmm. breaks in your training. So that's the first thing I want to touch on. It's the first. It's one of the things I think I'm doing right right now, to be honest, is just staying healthy, I'm not doing yeah. anything fancy. And I'm not 42 or 3 like Woodsy is. I'm 39, but I'm on my way. And then the second thing that people lose sight of, I think, as they age is that speed work becomes more uncomfortable. It becomes more damaging. It takes them out for longer afterwards. And they and, and oftentimes the aging athlete becomes uh, quality and speed averse. They just don't want to do it. or They don't put the focus on the turnover and the biomechanical efficiency and VO2 max work that's required to compete at the 1% level. And so if I had any advice for the aging athlete who wants to still squeeze every ounce of juice out of that lemon, right? Is whatever it takes to be healthy, which means more days off of running and more days cross training, more days between quality sessions, forget volume. If you've been working hard for years and decades, it's in your bones already. You've earned that. Put your hands up and relax a little between sessions in order to stay healthy. And then when you do swing, still swing as hard as ever on that fast stuff. Keep your efficiency, keep your ability to sit in the pain cave and don't lose touch with that. If you can do those two things, you have a fighting chance on staving this off as long as possible. Inevitably, it's going to win. Inevitably, you're going to lose the ability to perform like you used to. There's no avoiding that. But you can hang on to very good performances for a very long time if you focus on those two things right there. And that means if you're 40, if you're 50, if you're 80 and you're listening to this podcast, if you are, message us. I'd like to virtually fist bump you. But it applies to you. And that, what I just outlined, gets more and more increasingly important for you every year that ticks by. Every year that ticks by. And so those are the things that I think that the aging athlete needs to focus on. It's something I think I'm doing really well right now. And I think that's why I'm seeing fitness go places is because of those two keys. Yeah. And it's it's this paradox where the older you get, the less you recover from things and the more damaging they are, but the more you need them in your life. Exactly. When you're really young, you can get by on all aerobic work in a few strides and you're fast. The older you get, the more you need to keep in touch with speed work. The older you get, the more it becomes true that if you don't use it, you lose it. Yep. It's absolutely true. And it keeps you healthy. However, it's the same thing that damages you. What is the first thing they tell someone who uh, who gets injured when they're a little bit older from lifting something heavy? They tell them, yeah, you're probably just a little too old to be to doing that kind of thing. And what's the protocol to recover from it? You've got to do some more lifting. <laughs> you got to start strength training a little bit more. Uh-huh. Like the same thing that's injuring you is the, is the thing that's going to prevent you from being injured by it in the future. Mm-hmm. I've watched it with my own dad. When he stops doing as much heavy lifting and starts doing a little bit more functional stuff, he tweaks something the next time he's working. And when he's doing only heavy stuff and not functional, he tweaks something the next time he's playing a sport. But when he's doing both, he's bulletproofed relatively for both. Yet those are the movements that are hurting him. They're also the movements he has to keep in play in his training. Mm -hmm. And so 
speed work matters when you're old, strength training matters when you're old, and it's about not stopping them ever. Because instead of getting back into it and feeling really sore for a week or two, you hurt yourself when you come back in. Mm -hmm. Whatever level of consistency is needed in order to never get out of touch with anything, and I'm feeling it even coming off this third surgery here, Mm -hmm. I'm responding much slower. I've said it a couple times on here, but I feel like I hit middle age overnight. My recovery, my regeneration times are significantly slower. And instead of getting just doms, I'm getting like joint stuff that starts hurting now. I can only imagine in 10 more years what that process is going to be like, which means I'm approaching the critical part of my athletic career, which is establish my patterns now so that I don't have to make up for it later when it's going to take twice as long to undo the damage. Yeah. Ain't that the truth. Go back and listen to our Tuesday episode from last week about discipline, motivation. Mm. Hopefully you're on that train, right? So you can uh, put the habits in place, but it's very true. And 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 I think the, the major thing that we're, like, I really want to hone in on is just piggybacking the point of, um, of the whole, like, you don't need to do more running necessarily. You don't need to do more volume necessarily. Like you have earned the right to perform at a very high level without squeezing everything in. What does that mean? It means exactly like piggybacking what Bracken said in combination with my last two points is taking that time where maybe you were a six or seven day a week runner. Well, now you're a four or five day a week runner and you think I can't possibly perform like I used to on four or five days a week running. Well, speaking from personal experience, I am. And what's the difference? Well, you can take that time and either put it into cross training. You can take that time and do it into maintenance health work. You know what? I never made time to go to the chiropractor because I was running so many miles and, and going to work and have the kids. I'm not going to run today. I'm going to make Fridays my chiropractor day and I'm going to cut my run in half. I'm going to make my Monday recovery run is now going to be a bike ride of the same duration. And I'm going to stay into a 30 minute mobility wad afterwards. I'm going to pick and choose where I can put more emphasis and reinvesting in my body in a different way, a way other than spending time on feet that's going to actually benefit your performance significantly down the line. You have to start thinking ahead. And as endurance athletes, we always think ahead, but you got to think way ahead. Mm -hmm. And that's the key to this whole damn thing. And I know I'm speaking from not a ton of experience. I got three or four less years of experience than Ryan Woods does, but the writing's on the wall and I can feel it every day. And so, um, I just wanted to like reiterate on those couple of things, piggybacking on your, your point about yeah. investing in your body. Well, speaking of investing, how familiar are you with Dave Ramsey and his debt snowball? Uh, not very. So why don't you enlighten me? All right. So, so Dave Ramsey is this financial guru. And whether you agree with him or not, I don't think that you can uh, argue the fact that at a very simplistic level, he knows how to get people out of debt. He has a system of rules you follow, and one of them is the debt snowball. And that is that, let's say you have massive credit card debt, but you also have student loan debt, and you have a car payment and house payment and all that. You go after the biggest line of debt. For most people, it's a credit card payment because it has astronomical interest rates and penalties. Mm -hmm. So you take and you pay down that at the most aggressive rate you can. And when you get it done, instead of being like, all right, I was putting $1,000 a month towards this credit card got it done, I'm going to save 500 of that, and then I'm going to take 500 and pay down the other smaller debts. It's no, you take that same 1000 that you're already used to paying out, and you distribute it over the next 
the second biggest, the third biggest, and you pay everything down, but that snowballs over because you're used to doing a thousand, paying off a thousand dollar payment a month. Now you're just snowballing over towards the next thing and the next thing, and it wipes it out because you're already used to paying that. The point is, when you get rid of your big things, you don't retract and then pay less moving forward. You keep paying out, and when there's nothing left to pay, you keep paying that into savings or into whatever you're you're going to do next. So that you're always living according to the rules you're used to. You just redistribute where that money is going. And that's how I look at training for an aging athlete. If you were doing 80 miles a week running, let's say you're doing 10 hours of running a week in your 20s. You get to your 30s, you're still doing 10 hours. When you get to your 40s, you're still doing it. When you're 50s, you're still doing it, but it might not look the same. You still have to put your 10 hours in, but maybe by this point, you're only doing six hours of running and you're doing three hours of pretty solid cross training. And the final hour is very intense mobility and preventative work. You have to snowball over how you parcel out your training dollars. You don't get to sit back and say, I put in the time, I don't need to train as much. No, you put in the time, you don't have to pay down your credit card debt anymore. Your credit card debt was your aerobic threshold. You built that up over 10 years, you paid that all down, it's there, and you get to rest on that. But now you got to take that $1,000 a month and distribute it out other places. That's how you stave off father time as long as possible, because you get ahead of the next things that are going to pop up and bite you. That's two good analogies so far. I mean, if we hit three, I'm retiring. I think you should. No, I think you're going to find a way. Uh, the The old warrior does not beat the young warrior through physicality. The old warrior beats the young warrior with his mind, with his anticipation of his next move and getting ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Beating him to it with his brain, not his body, right? And it's the exact same thing that you outlined with getting ahead of things. Seeing the future and doing the things before they happen um, in order to prevent them. And we understand not everything's preventable and your body is slowly breaking down as you age and things are going to pop up and you should expect them to pop up because they will. But pivoting in time before you have, you know, two, four, six months off due to a major injury uh, will be um, the end to the top end of your ceiling as you currently know it. And it's most likely not going to ever reach that again. If we have a long chunk of time off and not to scare you, but those are just the cold, hard truths. Yes. And I want to say that you really find out somebody's love of sport, their character, their mentality, um, with what they do once they're in their, let's say their forties or their fifties, the cold of the world, um, Ryan Woods, uh, I will tell you, you are an inspiration to me right now, even though you went out and my God, first of all, sixth place is a disappointment and a reality check in a North American championship. Like good on you for feeling sixth place is a disappointment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding out where you really sit, how healthy is your relationship with something that you love? You start to find out when you're not as good as it, as you used to be. And so like watching somebody progress through their forties, fifties, how they navigate that, how they keep showing up, what version of themselves you see brought to the race course or the table or their training, I think says a lot about one, the person's relationship with what they're doing and two, their character. Um, And so, you know, if you're going to go out or you're going to slow down, slow down with grace and still show up. Everybody understands. Nobody cares if you're getting slower. Nobody cares if you aren't on top of the podium, nobody sits at home and talks about you. Uh, 
Don't worry about that. Other than us two right now. <laughs> Other than us two right now. <laughs> but this is a love letter to Ryan. This isn't an obituary. No, exactly, exactly. And I intend to do the same thing. So I just think um, uh, I think all we really wanted to get across with all of this is outlining what happens, outlining mm-hmm. the key, or at least our we're just kind of scratching the surface here, but outlining the key keys in order to prolong or stave off a decrease in performance as long as you can and pay credence to the process of life when it happens. Yes. Because it is going to happen. And where Ryan is most punished is the fact that at 40 and 41, he was a world championship contender, maybe even favorite. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people at 40, 41 are ready to go to age group. They might already be in their age group competitions. Mm-hmm. For him, it would have to be difficult to to wrap his mind around, all right, instead of going after trying to win Tahoe this year or world championships, maybe I'll just try to win my age group. Like That is a precipitous drop. That is a big leap to go mm-hmm. from one to the other. The, because he's in that top 1% on, the, on this planet, the rest of people don't have to f- deal with that same hurdle because it's a mm-hmm. much more graceful leap from, I was 30th in elite last year. It's probably time for age group. That's a gradual transition, but... He doesn't get to deal with that gradually. He almost has to go find a different task, go do mm-hmm. ultras, go do big mountain running, do whatever it is. And then in like five years, he can go or three years or whatever it is, come back and do age group and it'll feel like a natural trans transition. Most people don't have to deal with that. But what they do have to do is find a way to move their goalposts. Mm-hmm. What now is a good attainable, but stretch goal. It's the same thing you have to do at 20 is find something that's just out of reach but maybe in reach and go after it, you have to do the same thing at 40 and at 50 and at 60 and at 70. Find something that still moves the needle for you. And we can't tell you what that is, but you have to find it in order to find out, can I still keep training with purpose? If not, mm-hmm. then you ride off into the sunset. But I believe that if you are a fiery 20-year-old athlete because you had a world championship aspiration, there is some goal or aspiration out there that's going to make you a fiery 60-year-old athlete. And maybe it's be fit enough to compete with my grandkids. Yeah. We saw Matt Novakovich go through this over the last mm-hmm. five years, picking cross-country skiing and getting jacked up about it, and then going out there and, and hitting it hard and having some success, and then picking the next thing. He seems to really thrive on that. And and it's gotten him some pretty dang good fitness where he's thrown his hat in the ring of some more mountain races and other running competitions. And it was just whatever kept the fire lit. But I just think when it comes to a case like Ryan Woods or even a Matt Novakovich, now that I bring him up, um, what a hard earned damn privilege to be in the position Ryan Woods is in mm-hmm. to be so good, to have worked so hard, to have such great results in the past that sixth place is now, you know, an unfortunate race result in his aging body. It's just like, um, I don't know. I just think of like how, like if you can make that glass half full and just think of how lucky you are to still be in the game when people at the epitome of their potential will never do half of what you're doing, listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. just kind of incredible. And then you got to find your sense of pride and be in the 45 or the 55 year old woman or man who goes out and still kicks most of the 20 somethings asses. And you know what? That can keep a fire lit for a long time. I already look forward to that, and I'm only 39. And so whatever uh, receipt you need to keep, you know, it's it's kind of one of those times to start picking and choosing the ones that mean the most to you as far as, uh, you know, keeping your list of names or however you need to to reframe your mind. I think that the, the receipt keeping is very important at this time. 
And ego is important. Keep your ego, keep it alive, feed it, give your ego something to shoot for, dangle a carrot in front of it, whatever little victory you need to create in your head to feel good about where you're at for your age, do it. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm already starting to do that. So um, with these 20-somethings running fast and all that. So that's about the last I have. I know you probably have some more things to say, but we could just keep talking it out. But um, what do you what do you think? What else do you want to touch on? You're right. There are several things to touch on, but there's probably conversation for another day. Here's what I'm going to close with, and this might have zero bearing on this, but I I don't know. How, have you ever read any Rudyard Kipling? He's the one who wrote the Jungle Book. He wrote a lot of other things as well. Uh, no, I mean not in any recent time. Well, I believe he was a 4:30 miler. Oh, so it he has the the connection to running as well, but. I read the Jungle Book. Now, we th- we hear Jungle Book, and if you haven't read the book, you think the Disney, Baloo the Bear, very sing-songy. It's a real book. Very different. And I, my dad first read it to me when I was a child, and then I reread it throughout life. And there was this, there's this concept in there that the lead of the pack, the alpha, the hunter, when they finally age to the point where they miss for the first time, where they go after a water buffalo or whatever it is, an antelope, and they miss that's the signal that the new the young dog gets to come up and uh either challenge for the for the throne or they just take him out and they kill him and it always struck me as so unfair that there's all these other aging males sitting around who don't get killed it's Mm -hmm. the king the leader of the pack when he finally misses his time's done and he's executed he's out and it struck me as so unfair like, what about them? They never did anything. Why aren't they punished? Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the more I realize that that is a hero's send-off. There is something, like, you get to earn the right to be sent off horrifically. <laughs> and Ryan Woods did that. There are all these age group athletes out there who never even got the chance to be slayed by the young the young buck. Because they didn't even enter that arena. And it's not a knock on them, but... All these, these, you know, the wolves in the pack that never had to risk their mortality because they didn't qualify for that right. So I don't even know where I'm going with this, Kirk, but Ryan gets the king's send-off. Like, he stayed around long enough to finally miss on his hunt. Hmm. And now someone else takes his spot. And it's a very drastic end, but what it means is that you had a very iconic career if you have a drastic end. And there we have our third analogy. I don't even know if it's an analogy or just it like works. a waxing poetic about Ryan Woods, but Either way. I don't want people to misunderstand or miscalculate how impactful he has been on the growth of this sport and how truly dominant Ryan Woods is and was. Listen, and this isn't your swan song, Ryan, no. if you're listening to this. It's just worth chatting out since you made yourself vulnerable to us um and all of your followers by sort of expressing what your you know what the current situation is and i thought that respectable and so it spawned an episode ryan so we'll send you your residuals in the mail uh if you care for them but yeah i think that's a great way to wrap this up uh bracken uh i will say that uh as far as our running public training plan goes if you haven't hopped on if you're still in pre-contemplation why don't you just skip that step and hop right on my favorite part of the running, like what we have going on is like the fall and winter season. When we get to like focus on 
fitness building. We get to focus on what really makes you better. We're not necessarily as race-specific at times, potentially, especially after we get through Blue Mountain. But um, I like the next this next phase of training more than ever. I know in the, in the, the spring and the summer, it's easy to be like, I need this training plan because it's racing season. And some of you, your racing season is winding down. But the most important phase and season of your training is basically the fall and the winter for setting you up for next year. And there's no better time. You might be just a titch early. I don't know, but there's no better time to start thinking about starting to relay foundations to become better for next year. And we're not quite there yet, but we're almost. And so just because there ain't races coming up that you're pumped about, or you feel some of these championship races have come and gone, doesn't mean this plan isn't good for you. I believe that wholeheartedly it means it probably would be the right time to hop on board. So I just wanted to give us a little plug there in that regard. Amen. Amen. That it? That's it. It's a long training Tuesday, but it came from the heart. Sure did. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later this week. 